December 10, 2011, is the Watt for Pedro Show. Thank you. 
Yeah, a lot of noise from her guests. <laughs> crazy. It's going to be a crazy day. First, I should tell yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> ooh. Well, we started with uh, John Coltrane doing in a sentimental mood with Duke Ellington. And then after that, we heard Machika Do from Sawako. And uh, yeah, our guest brother Matt, Cole Panner. Hello, Nicole. From the desert. Hey, from the desert. J Tree. Hey. And Skipper Jeff is yourself, here. Too. Yeah, and Skipper Jeff has joined us also. How's life in J Tree these days? I haven't been there for a little while. Uh, I'm not uh, sure. Nice. Uh, actually, not from there, but that's where he, she's been living a while. Where you've been hanging? But you've been house sitting. Well, I don't want to get ahead of the story. <laughs> yeah, no personal life here. I, don't, I want to get ahead of the story for people who might not know. My bad. Uh, Nicole, how would you describe yourself? I am a school marm, spinster school marm from the desert, is how I would describe myself these days. <laughs> how would you describe me? Wow. I was asking the questions. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes things can change in an I, I don't know. I thought you were part of the art field. No? You've known me a long time. Yeah. What do you know? Well. Tell them. I, uh, well, I want you to tell. Start at the beginning, how you got on the road to being a school marm, spinster. Um, I started, I taught myself to read when I was three. I was the child of a poor sharecropper. Not Palm really, springs. not really. <laughs> Isn't that how the Palm jerk springs. starts? So there must be some uh, farming out there. They there was, there was. When I was a kid, right outside, that is where the first um, United Farm Workers contract was signed, just outside of Palm Springs. Cesar Chavez country? Cesar Chavez. It was great, great, great yeah. country. No, and, okay, I can no. put I can put Madonna and Cesar Chavez Within a proximity of two. Wow. Yes. Um, the first grape grower to sign with the United Farm Workers was a man named Lionel Steinberg. He had a son named Billy Steinberg who became Billy Thermal, who wrote Like a Virgin. Uh-huh. Bada bing. And Like a Virgin video was filmed right up the street at the church at Fort MacArthur. Well. Got to full I think that was uh, like a prayer. Oh, well, one of those. <laughs> We're close. Like us. We're in the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> like a something or other. Yeah. So, so. Like <laughs> guy. Uh, you know, I know Palm Spring uses a lot of water, though, because of them golf courses. Yeah. Well, there weren't. When I was a little kid, it was a small they town. They were using it for grapes. Uh, well, no, it was out, that was outside of town. That was in, you know further down the valley, the Coachella Valley. No, Palm Springs was small when I was a kid. There were 7,000 people, and now it's gigantic, and all those little towns are connected. Yeah. And there's, I remember when they built the first shopping mall there, and it was like three stores. And the graduate, there were two theaters in town, and the graduate, when I was a little kid, played for three years. Right downtown? Right downtown, at the when, village When did it turn into an old Indian people Kennedy retirement Road. thing? Well, it was a, a rich people retirement thing, and it was a bad I place for kids. I just said old kids. Kids. Yeah, I talk with Ken <laughs> for free before it was. People are usually older when they retire. Yeah, no, so rich people. Wondering, you know. That's not the case. 
It must have been the time when it was kind of like Pioneer Town or something. No, it was it was old rich people. <laughs> I mean, I grew up with kid, kids of movie stars. Yeah, it's where movie stars played. You what know. about before movies? No, not when I was a kid. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know, about? I know. I thought I was, I was going back before your history. Oh. Cause, because, yeah, since I've been in Cal, I came here in 68, 67, and Palm Springs always been known as an old people retirement. Yeah, yeah with money. Snowbirds. No, no, it was like higher end than that. Snowbirds were down in Cathedral City, which is where the pot dealers were, too. Um, but, yeah, my family, my stepdad was Pat the King of Steaks, the Philadelphia Cheesesteak King. Uh-huh. My mother was his who-knows-how-manyth wife. Uh, she was quite a few decades younger than him. And he retired to Palm Springs with his new young yeah. family, which was that, That's why I think the golf course has probably got put in was for these retired people. Well, for rich people. Rich yeah. people play golf. Yeah. It's what they do. Chicano people do, too. What kind? Uh, not as rich. Oh. It, it's, mm-hmm. I know it's yeah, rich people kind of got a, time. You know, one of their, yeah. especially if they make the, the game so expensive, only certain people can play. But like Harbor College, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's... Yeah. But a lot yeah, of this... No, Nick Aguilar's pop. Rudy's big into mm-hmm. golf, and he's a longshoreman. Oh. Yeah, they got some time. And they got union money, union wages money, the last of. Yeah, get off early, go hit the Yeah, but I mean, it nice. wasn't from the, the culture. I think they right just wanted to play. I think with the rich people, they make their deals and stuff. Yeah, that's a good way courses. to do That's why deals. I think they want it kind of a yeah. exclusive. Wasn't a lot of it health-related, going out there, people asthmatic and intent to get that. Uh, the desert's always been that. Yeah. For retirement. Yeah. Well, warm weather. I mean, it's yeah. easier to grow older if your weather is yeah, copacetic. Yeah, the air's better. Yeah, joints yeah. cold is, I know, because it's really hard. Yeah. Wet, yeah, yeah. cold especially, so a dry thing. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so you started in Palm Springs. Yeah, and... and, and did, um, was you thinking of teaching then, way back, when you were a girl? No, I thought I wanted to be... Well, I knew I wanted to have adventures. Whoops, somebody's at the door. This is like this is like the soupy sales show. <laughs> yeah, old time Dean Martin. Okay, who's who's here now? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just a collection of stars. <laughs> is that what it is? Okay, you wanted to have adventures. Yeah. I wanted to have adventures and um you know, have a fun and interesting cork in it. Yeah, Skipper Jeff, this is my time. We're going to have to put you out the door. Excuse me. Just delivery boy here. Are we through? Settle, everybody. We're good. Um, Mike and I are all about business here. Um, So what what, what were you asking me? When you were young, you weren't thinking of a teacher. You were thinking... Of adventures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, you know, a a weird little smart kid in... uh, who was kind of misfit in this town full of children. You learned how to read it. Three. Three. By reading the comics, looking at the pictures, yeah. That's great. Well, and I went to Quaker school, and they really are serious about teaching people. Quaker school. Well, pretty much soon after that, they sent me away to school. But you were kind of a misfit in school. Well, I was a misfit in Palm Springs. In Palm Springs. And in my family. Um, Okay. I was the blonde blue-eyed one in a family of very dark peoples. So I kind of thought there was a little 
alien changeling experiment. It turned out that my father was really my stepfather instead. Oh. Yeah. But, you know, that never occurred to me. Being imaginative, I thought it was alien. Yeah, mystery solved. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, my biology never seemed to really mesh no, with theirs. Nah, nah, <laughs> she's like... up with the alien theory. So the alien she thing... She had to deliver you. Oh, you could have been implanted. Oh. Or just a changeling, just like, you know... Oh, oh, okay. Changeling who was put with these people and they somehow had agreed. You're sent you know. to educate them. Yeah. No, s- sent to just be observed, you know, mm. by forces greater than yourself. I, I started to hitchhike into L.A. to go to music shows and from I'd, Palm Springs from Palm Springs yeah it was you know back in the 70s when hitchhiking if you were a girl was easy and you know it wasn't until somebody did something untoward that I finally went whoa I can't really do this anymore but there was a good long run there when I would read Cream Magazine and read about the Continental Hyatt House and Rodney's English Disco and the Sugar Shack so I'd hitchhike into town and go to those places there was no gigs in cool. Palm Springs well, the few gigs there were were really weird, and it was when, being a stuffy old person's town, all of a sudden there were hippies, and some promoter got the bright idea to do Canned Heat and Lee Michaels <laughs> at the local uh, rodeo grounds, yeah. which of course ended up in a rock and bottle throwing melee with the police, so wow. it and I was sort of going into the city more and more, and I saw, um, I had the good luck to see... Hold on, let, let's play some music. That's the novel aberration, deepest in the deep, that's the Been here all the time, a real possession, hidden deep in North Europe. Oh, I know, secret, secret, we're influenced by for the DCC, we can lie so perfect, got a party line to every cop, it's a very short circuit, oh, I know, secret. Secret. 
show we start that off with the germs doing what we do is secret then we heard some old television with what I heard then what you say something live from the ludes that's l-o-o-d-s not the other kind 70s kind spelling and then jello biafra in the guantanamo school of medicine Something brand new called uh, The Cells That Will Not Die. I saw Jill in San Francisco just a couple days ago. 
Oh, Greg Turner said to say hi, and you ripped the other night. Greg went there. Yeah, yeah I was going to talk about him later because I got a song by one of his bands. And then uh, uh, on College Kids and Gang Signs by Amateur, and finally Go Team Go by Sporadic Spontaneous. I wanted to get some tunes in there. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but... Oh. Okay, here you were in Palm Springs, and there wasn't a lot to do except foul some Indian facilities. <laughs> give the, I never uh, did. Law enforcement, kind of easy work. They left the door open for you. Yep. You didn't have to take the sticks out. And no. There was no rock and You would bottle. learn that later <laughs> yes. in SoCal, though. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so you start hitchhiking into town, and, uh, and I ended now up... you said Rodney's English Disco, so uh, this is telling me, because you read it in Cream, cream. so uh, maybe Greg Turner was writing in it. Uh, no, uh, I don't Or Metal think... Mike, or uh, Meltzer and Banks were. Mel- Meltzer and Lester were. And then I think Lisa Robinson in New York. And Lisa Robinson Because I remember was... reading this stuff... That's the only way I could learn about things. Me too. That weren't all jive like Rolling Stone or what was the other one? Gage J Radio. No, Hip Parade. <laughs> Hip Parade, yeah, but right? there was also... And circus. Circus yeah. and there was Craw Daddy was good. Well, a little yeah. bit, yeah, yeah, I remember them. Yeah, but... They kind of, they didn't last long. Meltzer wrote in them too. Yeah, too. For, for me though, it was Cream Magazine. Yeah, me too. That Andy was Boone. like... That's where... Uh, we learned out about a bunch of stuff. That's how we learned of Stooges, actually. Yeah, me too, and Patti Smith. You know, even though they were playing at that time up in Hollywood, we didn't know here in Pedro. We're about 30 miles. So you might have known more than us being way out in the desert there. Well, I wanted to meet Led Zeppelin at the Continental Hyatt House or the Sugar Shack that w- or Rodney's, which I never did. Um, yeah, well, I never went to a club. I only went yeah. to Arena Rock. I What's, didn't know until punk about clubs. And, you know, I'd never been to Arena Rock at all. The first yeah, Arena uh, Rock show I went to was when Pat Smear played that show with Nirvana at oh, yeah, uh, the Forum. Forum. That was the first time I ever went to a big show, right. like Arena show. But a really important show when I was hitchhiking into town that a lot of people who I would later come to meet was David Bowie Diamond Dogs at the Greek Theater. Or the Universal, the Universal Amphitheater, it was one of those that was outdoors. They didn't have the roof yeah. on it yet. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so that was a kind of arena rock show. Yeah, arena to me is like it's not a club arena. though. Yeah, it's not a club. Okay, it's for us club. the smallest was the Long Beach Auditorium or the Santa Monica Civic. They hold like yeah. thousand. Yeah, but compared to a yeah. club. Because yeah. I had never been in a club, and so that's why I call it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not enormous dome. No, no, it's not enormous dome. I'd never but been to an, a, I'd never been to an enormous dome show. Let's yeah, say that. But or just sitting in the dark in seats. You yeah. Know, different than a club where you're actually talking to people. And, but that Bowie show was different. It was yeah. very. It had sets. It had costumes. It had like a narrative through line. It was. What was the narrative? Oh, it was Diamond Dogs. It was you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Some kind of the end of the world. Yeah, and there were sort of spurting volcanoes all over the stage. It was. <laughs> oh, and I know he did a lot of costume changes. Yes. Paper yeah, yeah, yeah. And suits they tear off. Yeah. Okay, uh, so. Uh, so I started. You start meeting people at these gigs, right? I, I don't know that I did. That's not my memory. My memory is somewhere. Well, you weren't bringing people in from the desert. You were coming No, no, in by I was yourself. coming in by myself. And I somehow got a hold of a copy of Backdoor Man. Yeah, yeah. 
And I met those people. I met Audrey and you Greg. Mean you got a copy and I want to meet these people? Well, I got a copy and From I them? think I met them somewhere. Oh, I And was like, oh, you're... Yeah. And so Freddie and Aditi. Freddie and Didi and Audrey, Audrey and Greg. Right. Who... Freddie's still a Who's friend. Who's the other one? Waller? Don, Don Waller. Walt. Don Waller. He was on the show a couple of years ago. Remember, okay. Brother Matt? Yeah, yeah. Great, great yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Took a lot of blows. So I'm, I've been, I mean, I've eaten the a lot of shit in the band thing. That man, that man yeah. is. OG status. Paving the way. Good cat. So you met, for those people listening don't know, this is was a early... They ain't punk yet, but it's kind of getting ready it's for right it. Right on the cusp, yeah. yeah. And through through Greg, I met Ron Spencer. Ron and I formed a record company, and our secret silent with Peter Paterno, who went on to become like a big music industry lawyer, and our secret money guy, meaning he helped us get records pressed on Warner Brothers' dime, was Bob Merlis, who became the man who invented Madonna. Basically, he was the man behind the curtain. Yeah, um, but, but wait a minute. Uh-huh. You're going to gigs, and all of a sudden you have a cap, co- co- and you meet some guys from Fanzine, and then you have a company. And then the Ron and I, <laughs> and we put what out. What was in between? There's no- friendship. No, but what gave you the? Was it your idea to make the company? No, it was all of ours together. It was like let's press a record. Let's make a record. Yeah, and, and it was the well, Vaughn favorite band, and put only limited no, it by was your like, imagination. Yeah, exactly. no, not your favorite band. No, not my favorite band. Just one that was within. That you knew. Arms reach. Okay. So we put out... Because you weren't doing music. You were just a... I was just a around. I was a witness. Witness. And, I mean, yeah. they're important. A girl about You can't town. have just people making music a lot of times. You need to be... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I knew I was going to be some kind of artist or live an arty life. Oh, okay. I knew I was going to live an arty life. Okay. That was the deal. And these people interested you. Yeah. These yeah. people... Well, I mean... You know, from my own experiences, I remember meeting these people, and they blew my mind. Yeah. You know, I never met people like the punk people in the 70s. Because I hadn't really been to Hollywood or anything, so these people, when I met them... What year it was, was it a lot when different you met them? Do you remember? I graduated high school in 76, and there was a guy, Nicky Beat, lived here. He's from Pedro. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, that's how we found out there was gigs. Oh, he okay. was walking where these boats are now in the marina. It used to be the lower reservation of Fort MacArthur. And they were renting these things out because there was plans to tear them down and do that. So in the meantime, Mark Weisswasser, buddy of ours, me and D. Boom would jam with. We were down there copying songs off records like we did, like idiots. And he's walking there with the cotex around his neck. And it's <laughs> a place where uh, uh, people wrote their own songs. Uh-huh. Because no, no one we knew did that. You just copied records and he said he was in this band and they were having gigs in the afternoon on Sundays at the Whiskey. Yeah. And so that's, we started seeing these uh, gigs. Yeah. And uh, meeting these people. And uh, Nicky was kind of like Pedro guy. I didn't know that. I had no well, idea. Well, I do. He seems so. He seems I know Pedro like, guys. Nothing like but that. He, Pedro, he was <laughs> to us not as. You know, he's a trippy cat and great drummer, and, but he wasn't uh, like as different as. Yeah, you gotta go out of town for that yeah. stuff. I know he, dr- even though he dressed a <laughs> wild and stuff, it was yeah. You could tell he was Pedro. I still, when I see him, there's ways we can tell each other. Yeah, Pedro. Even though I'm not from here. Out. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> well, we do, and, and these people, 
uh, it's just different, you know. And my whole world from Virginia was Pedro, so I, it was a mind blow for me. So maybe for you too, uh, coming from Palm Springs and meeting him, maybe this is why you wanted to do a label and why you want to get involved with him right away. Yeah, well, it was, because there's some, just it was something I could than, do. It was a way I could contribute because the whole thing was do it yourself. What can you do? And people were, shortly after that, would start producing their own books and do poetry readings and all of that stuff. And I was too shy to do any of that. I didn't think I could do it. I wasn't encouraged at home to express myself in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I was discouraged from it. My home life was really sort of violent. And, you know, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. What about school? um, A school was kind of like these people are fucking idiots. Did you go to college? I graduated um, three years before you're supposed to. Wow. Because I went to, I told them I was going to drop out, and this is before GEDs, and they're like, no, you can't drop out. And I'm like, watch me. Make me go to school because I'm not going to go anymore because this is awful. So we came up with a thing, and I, if I could get the credits, and I did that by going to junior college at the same time I was going to high school their high school. So I doubled up on credits and I went to school from seven in the morning till four thirty in the afternoon and then I had night classes seven nights a week. So I managed with the skipping and everything to wow. get out of there early. And then I just went to LA more and more and more and finally I found a place to live that yeah. was fifty dollars a month. It was an apartment on Beachwood Drive North of Franklin. I know where that is. That's Hollywood. Yeah, just yeah. the ponies. You can ride horses. Up Paul at Rosler. the top, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Rossler lived around there. Well, Paul, well, Paul lived four doors down from yeah. us. Paul and Kieran, <laughs> Helen, and Trudy and KK, once after they, they left the Canterbury, went to the Wilton Hilton, the haunted place in Wilton, and then an apartment opened up in our little fourplex. And by then, I believe it was $75 or 100 a month. Still pretty gone. Yeah. yeah. That was a good uh, zone. But it was a nice, like, Spanishy apartment. You know, and the landlord was this crazy Serbian guy who wore paper <laughs> bags on his head. And, Dobro. Yeah. Um, so. Paper bags. That's what they were wearing when I saw them first. Who? Who? <laughs> in the bags. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, no, this was our. Unknown comic stole yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the El Duce thing. <laughs> so it was, a, was a punk. Was a, a little sort of enclave of sympathetic people. But, yeah, but before yeah. all that was like the Canterbury, which I've never been much of a group person, so I never wanted to move into the Canterbury and be yeah, part yeah. of that. Well, you were talking this backdoor people. They actually yeah. weren't so much like that. Dee Dee was Carson, I think. Yeah. A lot of them didn't like, yeah. live this lifestyle. They were just fans of the music and want to do... Well, I transitioned from the back doorman yeah. to harder core to the stuff people. that was going to the mask yeah. people and to the slash people. Claude, Bessie, and Philomena became very influential. They were like my parents, even Claude, though they uh, were Bessie maybe... Claude, Bessie was a kick boy and had this magazine called Slash, oh, yeah. which was Slash. pretty intense for reading material, for seeing that little. Yeah. There's like 200 people, and this scene was like, I mean, this zine was very thick and knowledgeable about right. That's where I first uh, read Jeffrey Lee, right in his yeah. ranking Jeffrey Lee. Ranking Jeffrey Lee, all yeah. The freaks all these cats would be, uh, it was a real fabric to the cultures. Well, and Claude was like an Yeah, but I only saw these people at gigs, you know, so I yeah. didn't know them as real people. But, but he was like this. But they seemed to me as in- like real 
people. They that scene was so open and stuff. I never got uh, shut out. Yeah, I, could I used to rap to with this guy. Scene. He didn't know him except for punk shows. This is all I knew him. But very kind. A lot of those cats were well, Gerardo also... and Nervous Gender. All these cats. They seem like from an alien thing, and there was no uh, airs. Yeah, and the thing about Claude that was so amazing, and and those people, they were a yeah. little bit older, but they were fiercely self-educating. They were just thirsty for knowledge. At the same time, I was putting myself through UCLA because I thought I have this high school degree. I might as well. It's like doing high school for real. So at the same time, I got my bachelor's at UCLA and something stupid, you know, something I didn't care about. But I was, my real education was taking place amongst all these people who were, they wanted to know about everything. I mean, yeah. we would go to clubs in South Central to see music I'd never heard of. Um, um, so you were going to school and yeah. going to gigs, hanging out with these people? Yeah. What, what? Falling in love with some of them. What happened uh, with the label? We put out the Vom record, and then Ron at that time, Ron Spencer ended up taking those pictures of the germs from me that are those kind of iconic images. Still one of my closest friends in the world. Uh, he and Turner both. Uh, they live in Santa Fe. You guys released one record. Well, and then we decided, we looked around, and somehow the Avengers occurred to us. Oh, right, because... The American in me. But that became a really complicated deal because a couple of them were very difficult. <laughs> <clears throat> and suddenly we these sort of, we just wanted to put out beautiful objects into the world. Ron was a graphic designer. We all loved records. We all loved this music. Um, my first favorite bands were the Screamers and the Weirdos. Um, yeah. And by then, I was already managing the Germs. By the time our second record came out, but it was it I was took. I going to get to that. Yeah. How did that happen? Just knowing um, people. Well, I wanted to be Let, more. Let's play some music. Okay. Oh 
That was Essential Logic, not the band, but a song uh, from, I think, 94, 1994, by Ruins, and Kazutoki Umezu. Before that, Mute Whale by Light, Tokyo Brothers. And we start off with uh, Indigo Road, Wakine, some live from them. I haven't played them in a while. I love that band. We're at the end of the first hour of December 10, 2011. Watt for Pedro Show, hold tight for hour two. December 10th, 2011, the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
Pedro Show. Start off the second hour with somebody who opened up these three Stooges California gigs that I was part of this uh, past few days. Les Butcherettes, Terry Genderbender. I was telling Nicole here because you wanted to go. I and did. Could have gone. Somebody had tickets. Somebody for you. offered me tickets. But yeah, Steve Desjardins. Yeah, yeah, school late. I had to teach. Anyway, this is Dress Off, this song. They're a great band. If you folks get a chance, you got to ch- check them out. Had to teach. Like you till 11 or something, right? Yeah. God damn. I know. But I understood. Uh, then we heard uh, A Dressing Failure by Omar Rodriguez Lopez, who was playing bass for her. Omar, I, I turned him on... I wonder how old he is. But I turned him on to psyllium husks. So he could poop? <laughs> is that what you're talking about? Is that of, a band? That's part of it, but it's also fiber. and uh, It don't always have to be a laxative. It's uh, good for cleaning. Yeah, It's good for old, less younger people. <laughs> is he a less younger person? No, he ain't, but he might be coming on to the beginning of that threshold or something. I was just thinking, you know what, I could do him right by just giving him one of these packages. I don't know how we got to talking about it. He was into it. Okay, I was just Poop making rat. sure it wasn't a band I don't know about, psyllium husks. No, it's kind of a, oh, I, no I, droga. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just a, the, the, the sheath of a, a grass. Yeah, yeah. But man, is it a good thing. Effective. Well, you know, in the old days, there was probably enough fiber in our diets, you know, but we obliterated that so well you travel a lot. it's kind of a salad uh, um, yeah but even in Pedro I take it and I do my own cooking oh anyway not to get on a tangent I also <laughs> saw in San Francisco my buddies from Sacto Tara Melos Nick Reinhardt his baseman Nathan and so we heard some of that uh, is good for what ails you uh, and then finally window shopping my bars now yeah we got to is this kind of an infamous thing for you, uh, talking about being germs manager? Why? <laughs> I did a good job and... No, infamous. Like, that oh. when people want to meet you, they know about this oh, yeah. and is this like the big... Well, men want to date me because of that. Because of the germs. That makes it an <laughs> automatic no. That's what I was kind of saying. Yeah. I heard of yeah. you. It makes no... <laughs> just like... Like some kind, because uh, to me, this other stuff too, uh, knowing Kick Boy, uh, being part of that label, uh, uh, Backdoor Man, those things are very important too. But um, I know because the infamy, in fact, we just came up on the anniversary a few days ago of, of Darby. Darby's self. You know what's willed. trippy about that? Like, oh, he was a young man. He was 22. 22 years very old, young. okay? I was the same age. And when I think back of a 22-year-old, I think of a very young man. Yeah. But it's weird. When I think of him, I don't think of him as a young man. He kind of, this happens with D. Boone, too. Like, they age with me. Yeah. Because they stopped at, with me at an age. Yeah. And so the, my memory, it's weird. I don't think of them as young guys. If I was had more perspective and more objective perspective, I would think these were very young men. Yes, yeah, this year D. Boone, D. Boone was been dead as many, as many years as he's been dead. Something about right uh, about 84, yeah, 84. It's crazy. Was it, it was a long time? Yeah. 
See, I have kind of a different theory. I, I will always think of Darby as a baby, pretty much. You well, know. I didn't know him as baby. But yeah, well, a, tw- a 22 He was this cat that was, was very like, trippy. But he was also, like, not a manly 22. He was a very teenage 22. He was, I mean, towards the end, he didn't look so good. I know, But I know, before but that, when they were doing the album, yeah, he, oh my God. Yeah, very, but he looked very like good looking man. a little boy to me. I yeah, mean, he had kind of a little boy face, years in those but he was in good shape. You know, that band was in good shape. Yeah. I, I just, and then uh, when he came back, this is when we opened up for Black Flag, and he came to the gig with this mohawk, and he was all puffy and much different looking than that. Yeah, he came but to anyway, my door. I took a Polaroid. I have a Polaroid of him. Him and that deck. You know? Yeah, he came, he, I was on roller skates. And, he's, and he told us about... Uh, Adam Ant. Right. Yeah. And I was like, what, are you fucking kidding me? We didn't know. Me, we never Ant? heard. Well, and Darby, we would think, would know. You know, and he had been just been there. And, yeah. But anyway, let's get back to your story. How did how did this happen? It just did. Because the Canterbury people? No. Um, I think by then... He's good friends of Paul's. He's good friends of Paul's. Down. They went to high school together. Yeah, right. um, I don't think Paul moved there until after, though, I was... Managing yeah. them already. Oh, okay. Um, it just kind of happened. I decided that I wanted to be more than a bystander, and I was organized, you know, because I'd been responsible for my own survival. Yeah, they, they hadn't had one before. They hadn't had a manager. They were at that point banned from every club in town because Wrecking they would the encourage their fans to break shit. Yeah, and I just said, "Well, I think I can help you." I can at least make sure that we're paid for things, that you're paid for shows and that you get shows. And I'm going to, I made up GI. GI meant germs incognito. I said, Secret oh, name so yeah. they could get gigs. Yeah. yeah. And um, Good idea. You know, it was kind of easy peasy. I set up a publishing company which still has paid out hundreds of thousands of dollars to the songwriters and their heirs with yeah. bug music. Yeah. Um, you know, it was. It, I I did right by them. I don't think I ever made anything. I got a handful of. Uh, I don't know. I was sort of Florence Nightingale. Was my own fault. I could have paid myself if I wanted to. Well, in those to. days, you say there's money from publishing, but that's more recent days. It wasn't back in those old days. Yeah, but you know what, Mike? No. We would not play for less than a thousand dollars. Those four people walked away with every show that I booked. With two hundred and fifty dollars in their pocket, every gig, every gig, and if you, they play, I saw them at some little ass places. I can't. I believe. got guarantees right and paid in advance. <laughs> Good job. I'll cafe. I got guarantees and paid in for advance. four dollar days doors. I got guarantees and paid <laughs> in advance, job. and we wouldn't go on stage. Do you remember stage. the gig at, there when X was playing at the Long Beach Arena with Devo? It was New Year's Eve, and it was like the big uh, decision. Do you go see the germs? Well, I think they were with uh, Joanna Went. Yeah. Do you remember this Yes, game? I do. And that's yeah. where I went to that one. I Me didn't, too. Because everybody was saying, no, look, it's it's a breakthrough. We've made it. And nothing well, against X or Devo. There was also that thing about, like, Darby didn't want to do the decline of Western civilization. Yeah. I'm like, why? And he's like, because people will think I want to be a rock star. There was those of us who were like, rock stars suck. Rock stars to us meant ELO and, you know, uh, Rick Wakeman, who got the Sex Pistols kicked off of his label. And to some of us, X were like people who wanted to be rock stars. 
a friend of mine said it's punk rock for hippies. And, you know, whatever. Um, to pretend that split didn't exist would be kind of to lie to history. Well, it seemed like that was like the, the, the yeah. decision day yeah. or night. I remember that. Yeah. It was like, well. Yeah. So, you know, uh, they, they did okay for themselves, the germs for a punk band that, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. For those days. So. So, yeah, I would they get... They just a, asked... No, you solicited them. Hey, can I no, do this Darby and I were sitting on the curb okay. at the music machine outside the gig. People. And I was like, why don't you have a manager? And he's like, because no one would want to manage us. And I was like, well, I do. And he was yeah, like, okay. Yeah, that sounds like a solicitation. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was like, okay. And then that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it until the April 1st show at the Whiskey. Yeah. Where my husband at the time had become Gary Panter, who was an artist, and um, there was an Jimbo, inc- Jimbo. For you people out there. There was an there used inc- to be a strip that would be in slash, <laughs> slash. and that books. Was great, and then then it ended up also in the weekly and right no uh, the reader reader, reader. and then Sorry. Raw magazine out of New York, which was like right, a slick right. Art Spiegelman, who did Mouse, yeah. started it, and he had his strips in there. Right. Um, but there was an incident at the Whiskey where some kid in the audience had lit, a, in a crowded audience, up towards the front, lit a piece of paper on fire and was holding it up. And a bouncer came down to get it. Pat lifted his guitar up as if to clobber the bouncer, and I jumped in between the two and went, No, stop! And after that show, my husband said, either you quit or we're getting a divorce because I can't watch this anymore. You put yourself in danger. And so, uh, yeah, it was time to quit. Yeah. April 1st, 1980. Yeah. Now, uh, at the same time you were doing managing for the germs, you were uh, involved with people, the scene, which we were talking about before. A lot of artistic people were in this scene. This, This is actually before hardcore. And you didn't have as many young people like what later would come in a couple of years. Yeah. I, even though we were young, there were also we were younger older than these people. people. There yeah. were like, we weren't like 13 or 14-year-olds like hardcore became. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. High school people and stuff. Yeah, no, we did have a few 14-year-old runaways from Riverside show up. Sure, sure. The and who was that step. kid? Donnie. Donnie. Donnie Rose. Donnie Rose. Is so he still around? He passed away. Wow. Years and sweet, years ago, sweet kid. yeah, but like yeah, very rough. Mugger was kind of like that—a runaway. And but Garrett, this is different than the people in Orange County. You know, uh, when that, when that punk went there, it's a little different kind of scene. It's way different because we were more like the Adams family, that first generation of punk. <laughs> you know, the Adams family crossed with the Merry Pranksters. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of. So some hippie stuff. There was yeah. well, there was no. It was the more prankster part of the Merry Pranksters. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. The, the good One of my humor. my theories about punk why it had to come was because the hippies had lost the humor, lost the prank yeah. stuff. <laughs> I I would agree. Yeah. But so, but then after when those guys. The next hardcore people came yeah, in. Yeah. That humor thing got really like yeah, but you're dealing with really young people out, and yeah. a lot of peer pressure at school, and you can imagine. Well, we had peer pressure at high school too. Yeah, I was I was out of school when I yeah. was. I didn't have to go to high school and be a punk rocker. But I mean, imagine how that people were still throwing shit at us. It was oh, we oh down I know the that. Street. I know about that. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, I remember. That's why I went back to my high school clothes, basically, you know, because first couple of years I painted on, you know, yeah. I made my own clothes. And there was too much hell. Yeah. So I had to decide, uh, just have it up here and not wear it. Yeah. Because <laughs> these fuckers would waste all your energy. I wouldn't let anybody at work or at school yeah. know. I had to, like, have, the like, Kafka the with the two, society. two uh, desks. But what happened with uh, uh, Philip K. Dick? Um, Gary Panner was like my fifth boyfriend or husband in a row who was obsessed with Philip K. Dick. And I was like, okay, we're going to find him and you're going to talk to him. Seriously, that was what it was. (laughs) And this was like way before the internet. I don't even know how I managed to do it, but I somehow got... You like reading this guy, I want to meet him. Yeah, because Gary was like... No, but, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah, he'd yeah. been like the fifth or sixth guy that had been. Johnny Stingray from the Controllers was obsessed with Philip K. Jack. The few oh, the boyfriends. Man. Yeah, he was like my first punk rock boyfriend, but there were other Where, ones. He was, what, like Riverside or something? Was no, he was from Detroit. Oh, originally? Yeah, yeah. That's right, those guys Him moved out Him and Spike here. moved out together, yeah. But he ended up, I think, in Riverside or something. No, like no, that. he's a very, I've heard, wealthy um, ex boiler room owner phone he went into yeah, phone sales yeah, yeah, and, and apparently made a shitload of money okay maybe yeah. there was a little period somebody was telling me he made another band after controllers well there was um but anyway off the yeah, tangent yeah, yeah, all yeah, these yeah, people yeah. you know like uh, all philip these k. men dick, that so i was you, with yeah. wanted to talk to me about philip k dick at the dinner table and i was like i don't know who this is but i'm gonna find him and you can talk to him you mean you don't yourself. want to read the books, you want to find the guy. Because yeah, it was like, it was being sold as science fiction. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I hate science fiction. I'm not a science fiction fan, you know. Um, I like natural history. So, um, essays, Joan Didion. Nonfiction. Nonfiction. So I found Phil, who was living in a dingbat apartment in Santa Ana. And he was kind of agoraphobic. And How old was he? He was um, 50 when I found him, and uh, which seemed ancient to me. Um, <laughs> like an old guy. He was like an old guy. Uh, he is an old guy. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, we arranged to go visit him, and Gary and him talked a little bit about books and stuff. And his friend K.W. Jeter was there, and K.W. knew who Gary and I were. And because KW knew about punk a little bit, KW was much younger. And but Phil and I really hit it off. I mean, he had like an old man crush on me, you know. Oh, he's an old. He was an old man, and I was like, <laughs> not really. You know, he was middle aged. He, he was to me. He was like ancient, and I was In two weeks. I'm fifty four. <laughs> right. And you were how old? And I was like twenty, and a housewife, and kind of unhappy, but super cute, and like. You know, pale and Morticia like, and you know he was like he was Gomez. He was he, yeah. A faster, <laughs> more like, yeah. You know, and I didn't want to talk to him about like that year he went crazy, which is basically what it was. Which he told me all about in his own time. I mean, we talked about that eventually because we talked every day eventually for like years on the phone, and every. Three or four weeks, Gary and I would go, like, it's time to go down to Santa Ana and visit Phil. And we'd stop at Disneyland on the way and have, like, half a day at Disneyland. Oh, Christ. And I know. I know. He's like, 
No, no, no. Gary and I were both pretty drug and alcohol free. Neither of us drank. He came from a super Church of Christ background. I appreciate Mickey way more on Yeah. Yeah. But Phil had his runs with stuff. No, Phil was, you know, kind of... Well, he used to write on stimulants. But that had been years and years and years earlier. And, you know, he... What about drinking? No, I never saw any evidence of that either. And I used to go into... Because that's always the plagues of writers, it seems. Well, it's lonely to be a writer. You know, you're isolated. And I would go into his fridge all the time. You know, I'd walk in the house and go into the fridge and go like, Jesus, Phil, you know, there's nothing in here. And KW would bring him food because he was a bit agoraphobic too. And then um, I remember when there was a day that Phil's bank account hit $100,000 because they bought the rights to Blade Runner, to Androids. Yeah, Uh, Androids. And he said to me, Nicole, my bank account has $100,000 in it and my favorite teller at the bank hit me up for money. What should I do? And I'm like, hello, no. And he ended up actually loaning her money. I ran into someone years later who like knew the ins and outs, a legal person. Um, but he was, you know, a sweet old guy who was lonely and fucked up. Yeah. No, I'm just saying from my perspective as a 20-year-old suicidal housewife, you know. Um, then, uh... You haven't ventured to the teaching thing yet. No, because it won't happen until nineteen. Well, you got this degree. Yeah, you get this degree. At I UCLA, get this degree at UCLA. But just but let it. Yeah, yeah. Flounder. It right? was anthropology. It was like a degree okay. to travel on. No, but sometimes yeah. you can get teaching off those kind of things. Well, you have to. You I teach any in, cool excavations. No, Matt, no. And both nothing. my sisters are teachers. I'm into oh. teachers. But that that Dude, stuff you teach? can. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he was How old? teacher... Uh, 16 and 18. Wow, okay, they would like you. No, these are cats who quit school. Yeah, yeah, continuation. Yeah. I, yeah, I did a thing, he's got, a he's volunteer been, thing at the continuation. He's downtown. gotten several teacher of the years. He has great success rates, I'll admit. No, no, I bet. There's a thing downtown. In fact, the last time I saw Pat Smear's mother, I did this volunteer eight-week uh, zine class at a uh, hardcore continuation that's down near Grand Central Market in a senior citizen's high rise. They have the day room. And all of this woman's, they're hardcore Salvadorian gangster boys and unwed mothers. Belmont Zone, downtown, right in the Yes, yes, the yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. And she makes sure they all go on to continued education. I mean, it's kind of amazing. So we did a zine yeah, class there. Right. And that makes it work. Having a zine or something yeah. you can relate to makes education worthwhile because otherwise it's just a bunch of bullshit. Do you it's remember your totally zine, Brother bullshit. Matt? Yeah. What's that? Remember your zine? Um, I remember making my own shit up as long as, long as remember I Remember that zine? I put it up on, on my hood. Right, right, right. The Chunklet. The Chunklet. The he did this thing ah. to get these cats yeah, motivated. The something like a yeah. zine is really good. Well... I thought I was bombing for the whole eight weeks. I'd volunteered to do this thing through the Heart Project, and they would just sit there and look at me. And at the end, when we did books, and everybody had a book, and they were like, this is like our yearbook. We don't have a yearbook. And it was all stuff they'd written. And they were like, this is the best class we've ever had. And I'm like, I wish you guys would have told me because I thought we were bombing here. But anyway, they brought this woman down. They said, we have someone we want you to meet. It's Madame Ruther. And it was this... Older black woman, 
And it was Pat Smear's mom, and she lives in the senior thing, and she would volunteer to teach them French because she had been an opera singer and stuff. Yeah. So that's the last time that I saw her. Education so much more real. Like, like we yeah. had Flea here. And Flea got his own school teaching yeah. kids. Music, yeah, yeah. yeah. Conservatory. And, yeah. and it just makes education so much real, yeah. more real and gives it a purpose because otherwise you just spend your time doing bullshit that doesn't relate to anything. Yeah, textbook stuff, which they're never going to... Right. Yeah. yeah. It makes it more real and, and gives it a purpose. So it gives yeah. it a reason to learn. Yeah. It's it's more fun, Salute too. Salute to you. Salute to you. Yeah. Well, you have to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, otherwise... Like, why, why spend your time and effort and energy doing something that doesn't relate to you? But what, what bent you this way from from suicide housewife who likes well, Philip K. A... Dick as a person, not a writer, into uh, zines for well, Salvatore? I... <laughs> <You guys. laughs> it makes it real. Well, I had a little dabble with showbiz. I got asked to work on the Pee Wee Herman show yeah. before Ooh, it was before yeah. it was oh, a with thing. Gary. Yeah, we both, right. we were married, yeah. and we both had different phone numbers, and our phones rang, and we were asked to work on this thing that was going to be a play, and I ended up being in it, writing for it and being in it. Yeah. And... Yeah, you used to hang out at Kick, so you back in those old days. Yeah. You know, I saw him last spring. Who? Paul? Oh. At that show? Well, well, I was... It was one of these afternoon shows where they film you, uh, do some songs, and my opera, the third opera goes to come out, and he was the next guy after me. Uh, hey. Uh, hey. Yeah. Well, um, so we did that at the Roxy. As a, we did it first at the Groundlings and at the Roxy as a live play. Yeah. For, and everybody came. Robert Groundlings De Niro. was like on Melrose, right? Yeah. yeah. And then we moved to the Roxy, and then we filmed it for HBO. It was like just not on ready the other for primetime players LA style. Pretty much, yeah. And then it was on HBO just the other night. Um, so then I decided, I got an offer to be in a film, and I was like, I don't know how to act. I'm going to go study. So I went and studied with this lady named Peggy Fury for years until she died. Uh, every day, four days a week. But then Gary and I got divorced. I ran off to England with a rock star. I stayed in Europe for five years, um, and I was in India for a year of that. I had a show of my own briefly in England on TV. Um, and then I came back to L.A. because I'm a Californian, you know. You can't be away from here forever. Don't you think everyone should bring a rock star and move to England for a few years, though? I would say that it would qualify yeah, well, you as you talked about adventure. that rock stars for hippies. Uh, you what? <laughs> what what I band know. was that? I know your priorities changed, though, right? <laughs> You know what, brother Matt's got a spin cycle. We got to do. Well, very interesting story, though. The cool. We'll pick up one more. Sure. Okay, we're just winging it.
put your bed. We need a better home to live in. In order to get it, we're going to have to have a genuine bargain.
Brother man, what was uh, inspiration, the impetus for your spin cycle? That was kind of going back to the roots, getting bluesy, and then getting lost in some craziness, just yeah. trying to make it work, being too hectic to have it together. Just there trying to some sting clamage? it. Yeah, a little clamage. A little bit of clamage. <laughs> Been a while. Okay, back to our guest, Nicole. Welcome so, back, Nicole. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. And your actress, we were last with you in your actress phase. And then uh, there was an acting returning school. Returning back to SoCal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I went away. I ran off with the rock star. I came right. back after five years, spent a year in India. So I got my adventure in. Yeah. Um, England and India. In India, yeah. I want to go back. Not in England. Any tips for people uh, heading to India? 
Um, go, just go. Just go and figure yeah, it out. Yeah, just go and, and let serendipity be your guide. I was supposed to stay say, six weeks. I stayed a year. Yeah. I just kept extending what it. What part? Yeah, yeah. No, everywhere north of Bombay, so I still have the south of the country. And I included Nepal. Cool, he kept scattering it. Wouldn't, wasn't was attached to a particular guru? No, no guru. I, in fact, I, I actually met some... Um, Tibetan Lama, who had been a Lama since he was three, the monks came and got him, and he said, he looked at me and said, do you meditate? And I looked at him, and he said, no, 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 you're a teacher. And I said, no, no, I'm a waitress, because I was a waitress at that point. And he said, no, 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 you're a teacher. And I'm like, whatever. And that was 1987, and 1995 I got invited to teach, and that was the start of my teaching career. So uh, You are teaching there? No, here. no, here. I was invited to teach at CalArts after my first book of oh, stories so. came out, yeah. so Yeah, because that's an intense school. It's a good school. Uh, the students are amazing. It costs a little Trinquan dough to go, right? Yeah. Everywhere, though. Watson told me about, Tom Watson, who plays guitar, my missing man, told me about going there a semester or something. He had to be like conked in his uh, VW bus there. It cost him so much he had that. to quit. They used to do that, yeah. yeah. I went to some crazy naked parties up there. That was yeah, really fun. When I first started there, teaching there, there were lots of crazy naked parties, but not anymore. Oh, they clamped down on that. Darn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sadly, those are a thing of the past. But everywhere's a lot of dough to go. State yeah. schools. I went to UCLA. I know where I, it keeps where getting I more expensive, yeah. too. No, Morikano even was the Cal States. They were like... Eighty dollars a semester. Yeah, they really reamed those kids. They were eighty a semester. Yeah, it was when I now. that is a con. When I went to UCLA, <laughs> well, Harbor was, the junior yeah. I think was twelve. Yeah, it was wow. eleven bucks this when is, I was going there. This is like yeah, yeah. bucks a unit. When I went to UCLA, it was well, five hundred a year. Fucking dealio. Mm. Yeah, in UCLA it was five hundred a year when I went. So, yeah, and I, I made. I don't have student loans. I my kids, my students. They're in debt up to their. Yay, they're going to be paying yeah. student yeah, loans. Yeah, man, when it's my like age. eternal slavery. Yeah, just graduating wow. from education. Yeah, it's, but it's, anyway, so yeah. you were invited. But did you ever have an idea that you were going to want to do this? No, I didn't think I was. But you made a, a, noble you made a group person. of stories. You didn't yeah, tell me about the yeah, writing. yeah. I have a book out. Uh, I have two books out of stories. No, but back then, I got back you then. this thing. Yeah, two books of stories. How'd that happen? I just started... punk rock stories. No, some of them were short stories. I was xeroxing my own and binding books and selling yeah. them at local bookstores. Then this guy um, started a small press, and he asked if I wanted him to publish a book of stories and I did yeah. and it got picked up and reviewed nationally and then I was on Fresh Air um, which is a nationally broadcast NPR, NPR show and so you Cal know, Arts hears about this Cal Arts hears about this they I didn't need know that's an how they emergency up did you bring any samples with you no, I didn't. They called me. The dean of the department called yeah. me at 12 midnight and was like, have you ever thought about teaching? Yeah. It was like the day after my Fresh Air thing uh, aired. Oh, so he must have heard the show. He must have heard the show. And he um, needed a teacher pronto because someone had a nervous breakdown. You know, mm. college teachers are very delicate. And maybe you get more, more uh, <laughs> options awaiting after they hear the show. Well, you know, I think I'm. it's time for a little mix-up in my... 
career thing. So. Shuffle the deck. Anyway, we are at the end of the second hour, December yeah. 10th, 2011 edition, Watt Beatlesville, with our guest, Nicole Panner. Hold tight for hour three. December 10th, 2011, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
Talking, give you the death penalty for jaywalking for the pettiest of crimes. He'll show you no pity. He's gonna send everybody to Ted City. His name's Joe Pio. Joe Pio. Joe Pio. Joe Pio. His name is Joe Pio. Joe Pio. <laughs> hey kids, do drugs. Do time. Go to Tent City, they'll teach you how to do crime. You're gonna socialize with criminals for a couple of days. They'll teach you all their deviant ways. Fill that mind with unlawful knowledge. Welcome to Joe Arpaio's Criminal College. It's the Joe Arpaio. Joe Arpaio. Joe Arpaio's Criminal College. And while you're behind Arpaio's bars, they're gonna teach you how to steal my car and how to build a meth lab and how to kill 
Joe's gonna pay your tuition bill. You know that you drink to you. I mean, it should be a wrist slapper. Now you're shacking up with some El Qaeda kidnapper. And he's teaching you how to make IDs that are phony and how to get high off green baloney and stuff. To work by you. To work by you. To work by you. To work by you. But Joey's gonna change you. So when you're released, go in a citizen, come out a beast. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. I changed my ways. You turned me to Charlie Manson in just 20 days. Don't get shame to our bio. To our bio. To our bio. To our bio. So don't mess up or look too Mexican no matter what you do. For Sheriff Joe, he'll get medieval on you too. He's got his own horse. He's got his own posse, whoopsie Arizona. You elected a Nazi. Big punk rock and angry One, two, one, two, three. Well, thank you, Joe Arpaio. Thank you, Joe Arpaio. Thank you, Joe Arpaio. Leave us all alone.
Well, I was teaching... Acti- actressing thing yet? No, right. I'd also been, for my straight job, working for a man named Frank Pearson. Um, I did development for him, for his very small company, which meant that I read scripts that people wanted to sell him that he was considering ah. buying. I also... He did a lot of work with me with his own work. Um, so scripts, in a way, is writing... For movies. It is right so, for yeah, movies. That, that's now this exactly is the bridge. You're it is. in the structure to make yes. it happen. And Frank had written Cool Hand Luke and Dog Day Afternoon and he was um, But he's looking for other people. He he's he, because he was years. also a director at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I worked with, and he also would get big fat writing gigs and he would bounce stuff off of me because he said I had the best global view for story that he'd ever run into in all his years of showbiz, which gave me a lot of confidence. He was kind of like the dad person I hadn't ever had. In no, no, Philip K. Dick was the first Well, I, obviously my life is kind of a series of that, isn't it? Walter Kent's. Back to the Cal Arts man, yeah. because he's hired you because of the book, but, but, but he, he starts uh, being aware of your movie connection. Well, no, 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 I, he was the head of one department, and yeah. I looked at their movie department and realized they didn't have a screenwriting thing. Well, they were hurting. Okay. Well, they weren't, they didn't think they were, the head of it was this German guy who didn't believe in screenwriting. Yeah, those oh. Germans. Yeah. Um, just everything's improvised? No, everything's the director. You <laughs> tell me how that works. Oh, you but, mean he reads a script too, the director? According okay. to this guy, yeah. And, but the students really wanted screenwriting, and yeah. they knew my background. Um, they knew that I was working for Frank. Because they would also bring movie friends in. That class I taught, the writing class, was called FTW DIY, and the kids called it punk writing. Yeah. Um, and I would bring people in who were do-it-yourselfers. I brought in my friend James Marandino, who did a film called SLC Punk. Yeah. You know, I brought in a lot I of movie people. I saw that movie. It was, it was trippy. A good, punk, good movie about punk. Um, okay, let's play some more music. Okay. One, two, three, four.
Seven Seas of Love. Red, black, brown, beige, Caribbean, Adriatic, vagina. The Seven Seas of Love. Two. Red, black, beef, pork, pudding. Fundament Wee Wee. Three. Black, brown, brand, wheat, cunning, but mucilage. Four. Menstrual, vino, saliva, sweat, hot and sour. C number six. Napalm. Five. Rojo. Verde. Vegan. Bako. Butto. Mush pie. Tequila. Six. Dead. Med. Lava lamp. Mackerel. Snapper. Ammonia. Velveeta. Seven. Latex cleavage 
Pump water, clit water, bath water, fart water, heroin. E. Salt, no salt, scum, sand, snot, yeast, patchouli. Estrogen, nitrogen, enema. Sorry to interrupt uh, Nicole's non-windbagging. Thank you. <laughs> With some so music. But uh, I wanted to hear this stuff. Uh, we heard Unwell by Allie Kohler. I think she was just kicked out of her band. Oh. What's it called? Coast. West Coast. Something like that. Best Best Coast. Yeah. So that's fucked up. Sorry, Allie. Dang nabbit. And then after that, Lonely Lady by Death Songs. And then I'm in Love with Your Mom by Richard... Uh, Vaughn. Vaughn with Richard Meltzer singing and Greg Turner. And Greg Turner playing Because guitar. I knew about this connection. So yeah, I yeah. This. Because last time I played this song was eight years ago, Brother Matt. I looked it up. Uh-huh. The stuff that Greg's then, working nice. on now is great. I, I look forward to hearing blood that. Drain yeah. I don't know if it's a Blood Drain Cows record, but... How yeah, I remember I played some of that guy. stuff. Yeah, That but was a few years ago, though. His guy in a guitar thing is so great. Respect yeah, Greg Turner. too much. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, we heard Spielgusher. The album comes out in a month. It's uh, Richard Meltzer again, but this time with me and two people from Tokyo, Mr. Shimmy, and the Seven Seas of Love. Do you know about this project? No. Richard gave me 48 poems he made. Mm -hmm. I spoke them in Portland. He's lived in Portland now for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And recorded them on a bunch of Mondays in 2004. And I finally found some people who would help me make music behind it. In three days, we did 65 pieces of music. Wow. We put them together, and it's going to come out in January. Wow. And, uh, yeah. What you said, it sounded, uh, we made it more kinder. He was really surprised when he heard it, because Mm -hmm. he thought it was kind of angry, his poems. Actually, some of them were ones, you know, he was going to do a collaboration with the Minutemen. In fact, I took D. Boone, the ten lyrics, Mm -hmm. to him on the trip where he got killed with a van mm. wrecked. And uh, Richard wanted to play saxophone and sing with us. Mm, I bet and, he uh, did. We well, got to do it, but the, the poems have seen the light of day now, uh, plus, mm. you know, 35 other ones. Uh, how many years later? Yeah. Ain't that a trip? But he said it, uh, it really made me happy to know he was happy. I was kind of scared, you don't know, you know. Mm. You do these kind of collaborations like this. I've done a lot of them now because of the internet. Sometimes you never even meet the people. <laughs> Richard was a big hero and a big hero boys, and so mm. it's it's a trippy kind of thing, all coming around. Now back to your story. Uh, you designed this class for Cal Arts. Yeah. This one doesn't exist. Good no, job. No. And you bring people who have done things themselves. 
Yeah, I have. As like a show and tell or something. Everybody from Black Dahlia to Mr. Winkle. You brought me. I brought you. That's right. You I did. Me. And Dave Alvin. And I was scared shitless. You were. But those you kids were, were great. They They're were beautiful. Fabulous. It makes education yeah. real. Get the real deal out. You know of this cat, um, Robert Ashley? No. Good. You're going to like this. This is a piece he made. In fact, this guy who's on piano was... Uh, he was one of the Stooges piano players, mm. and then he went to change his name to Blue Jean Tyranny, and ended up doing mm. music to this guy. Uh, this is a piece called The Park. He took himself seriously. Motel rooms had lost their punch for him. He opened all his bags. There were two, and inside those two, there were two more. It's not an easy situation. But there was something like abandon in the air. There was something like the feeling of the idea of silk scarves in the air. There was a kind of madness to it, the kind we read about in magazines. One of the bags contained a bottle of liquor, a sure sign of thoughtfulness about who one might have been. He poured himself a small drink in the fluted plastic glass sans ice. He thought to himself, if I were from the big town, I would be calm and debonair. The big town doesn't send its riffraff out. He sat on the bed, both feet on the floor. He studied the ashtray and tried to rule out preference, preferring over not preferring, but he preferred gravity over what other state, preferring in that case earth, the earth as they say, preferring some state over non-state. Now he grips himself with determination, even knowing that it causes sadness, He is determined to be what? He is determined to be serious. He had determined once to be serious. Later he knew that he had made a mistake, but too late he had arrived and there were rooms and all rooms were not the same, some better than others he thought. A better view, a better layout, better shower, softer bed, not so far from noise, more like home, etc., etc., very abstract. He lifted the telephone from its cradle. His determination got stronger, if no clearer, 
even as he faded in its force. Were it not for our momentum, the inertia of our actions, the constant inspiration of our habits, we could not continue. The will is almost nothing, he thought to himself. At the sound of the first ring, he hung up. He pushed down the button and listened to the silence of the object in his hand, and then he hung up. Very dramatic. The phone rang immediately. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He brings this cloud of conditions with him. He is at the center of a ball of hot stuff that we haven't put our minds to yet. And sitting on the bed in the motel room is no different. Somewhere in another room in range, somebody got it and phoned him. It happens all the time. Really. A kind of restlessness in that range. He sat and thought about obedience. He had resolved that of the two kinds, the kind that takes every message of order, rule, law, as error, that everybody who passes along these messages, that loathes the buildings, that contradicts the inner voice, that resists, in short, was his, and that the other kind, how could it be? He wasn't happy with the world. He worked with the forwardness and the backwardness. He worked with what things are ahead of us and with what things are behind us. I guess the other kind would be to work with things that are alongside the attachments. Obedience was impossible for him. At the same time, he was cooperative and indeed solicitous. No one in the world would have mistaken him for a real person. Obedience, etc. The other kind works with the things that are of the alongside us, the attachments. At the same time, he was cooperative. The numbers on the telephone, the parts of the book, the notes of the scale, they are the same, are they not? They come from the sameness of the idea of the outsideness, not the alongside the outsideness, the differentness. It was a problem being cooperative and at the same time refusing obedience and carrying the load of the idea of differentness. He wants. 
he handles himself in the morning. It's just like for every other man. The fantasy is the distance, the reluctance, the reticence, the otherness. The fantasy is the uncleanness. So getting up gets to be a problem for a sensitive person like him. The problem is to run that gauntlet again. Remove problem. Remove gauntlet. Remove run. Remove is to. Remove the. Remove that. Leave this. Make this whatever. He lights the motel room with a slightly blue body light. When he is alone, he forgets sometimes to walk. He just moves. Sometimes they touch, sometimes they don't. And everything in between. As sometimes he forgets to combine talk with thinking, and just thinks, or just talks. Especially I think it happens in those rooms, Who knows why? The way it disconnects from what's just outside is predictable, is it not so? It never stops being a mystery. We have talked about it. When he says hello, you hear a long whining sound, which is his voice and the hello. It is as different from whatever, the way one might remember, as a sound a cat would make. He is not unusual in this, I think. He is absolutely uninhabitable. A thankless star. Remove star. Remove thankless. Remove A. Replace with... He has a special way of speaking, but it seems only to make him more like other men. This is one place, and here every kid is armed. So where you going? Hunting. Only sometimes we don't see the guns. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. The town and always references to down and up. Down from Des Moines, up from somewhere. Missed my chance, didn't even see it. Thought it was a threat to house and home. Why don't you come up to the big town? No thanks. Looking back. Didn't get the up and down part. How could I have missed it? Get a grip on yourself, he said. Working against time was another thing, he said. Here I am working against time. The pencil fairly flew as he made out his simple requests for breakfast room service, courtesy of the company. This is a record. I am sitting on a bench next to myself. Inside of me the words form. Come down out of the tree and fight like a man. Two G's and eggs. This is not a record. This is a story. 
I want to say something about myself. I am not sitting on a bench next to myself, whatever that means. I am a city of habits. I am completely knowable in every way. I recognize superstition in every form. The anger of the words wakes me in the dream of myself. I imagine there are two men on the bench. The exchange between them will not be seen. They will not put it forth to be seen. And if I make something of the situation to show a difference between the two men, the difference will distract the true onlooker. But the film fogs, you know. One G and fogs. And add a dish of prunes if they are in season. The men are in the park in the small midwestern town. That is, the bench is in the park. We know from what is past that the men are on the bench. They are old by doctor's standards. The park graces the courthouse of the county. The courthouse has about it the simple air of failure. An abandoned outpost. Park has sidewalks, fences, trees, grass, and a statue of a man and a horse at war. Or ready for war. They are alone with their intentions. The sculptor has made the horse look stupid. The man's jaw is firm. The time is late morning and early summer. The sun shines. In this scene there are two shots. The park and all its details, frozen, broken on the right edge, sometimes up to two-thirds across the frame by the body of a person, very close, blurred, moving almost rhythmically. We have just begun and already we are stuck. Working against time, as they say. The camera is obsessed with what it sees. The park. The ragged edge. Nothing moves. Except the edge. The edge moves. It's as if there is no other place. His mind races. One G in fogs. Two G's in eggs. When the two men spoke, they spoke about permanence and impermanence. They noted that there were certain things which were impermanent and other things to which the term impermanence did not apply. 
Thus they came to make a great division between that which is impermanent and that which is permanent. Everything in this transitory category turned out to be the particulars of our existence, and these were divided into physical, mental, and others which were neither physical nor mental. Among those particulars which were neither physical nor mental, they listed attainment, aging, and coincidence. On the permanent side of this great division of reality was a notion they referred to as space, and by that term they meant neither conceptual space nor space as given by our senses. They meant connections. They decided that such space is irreducible and not transitory, and that it exists as long as one is alive. They wondered, naturally, what becomes of it. This impasse is no help at all. Consider his situation. For instance, he is expected to be positive and helpful about breakfast. In the order of things, it is more important that she know about the prunes than that the shot should change. And what about the problems we have seen in him? He is still sitting on the bed, both feet on the floor. The small drink in the fluted plastic glass sans ice is hardly touched. The phone has just stopped ringing. In his mind, the two men are frozen on the bench. The horse looks stupid. The warrior's jaw is firm. Incredibly slowly, our view begins to slide. His idea is that death always takes one by surprise. Always. There is no way to prepare. He imagines absolute awareness on the other side. He wonders, as we all do, how it comes to you that you are dead. We were distracted by the fluid right edge. There is an absoluteness to surprise, he thinks. He applies this simple thought to the problem of how to move the shot. Incredibly slowly our view begins to slide, but begins as a problem. We are enchanted by the park and all its details, frozen, broken on the right edge by the body of the person very close, blurred, moving rhythmically. How can it begin to change? How can the beginning go unnoticed? How can we pass from one state to another? Is it possible, if one already has a certain experience of life, to start directly on the path? Or is there danger involved in trying to do advanced practices without having the proper foundation?
they came to believe that unless one has actually gone through the preliminary experiences, conclusions may be drawn on the basis of insufficient information, and that these conclusions may produce just the opposite effect of the one which is intended. In other words, one never knows. And so the view begins to slide anyway, as they say, sliding eastward, turning eastward. The particulars moving left to right across the frame. A parade of sorts. And it comes to rest, finally, on the road, the street that holds the park. We are still obsessed. We are not relieved. This view is no different. How could it be? Except that we have moved off the body of the person, very close and blurred, and every edge is raw. And there is some machine approaching, wider than it is high, as they say. A pack of motorcycles, a herd of elephants, a tribe of Bedouins, something from the east, barely moving in a cloud of haze and heat and dust, in utmost telephoto, gold and green and flat. The idea of the slit, the eye of the needle. What for Pedro show? That was the part from Robert Ashley. Uh, Nicole, so what's next for you? Well, the world is in kind of a weird place, our world. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm a little unsure of that. I have another book to write. Um, I'd like to get married again, I'm thinking, to somebody who can grow a garden and hunt, and I can shoot stuff. I'm a good shot. Um, build shelter and stuff like that. Sustaining, yeah. Um, I don't know. There is, I, I, I do feel like I'm at sort of a personal crossroads. You want to quit teaching? I think I can never quit teaching. I'll always be a teacher, like that Buddhist monk told me. I was. Um, yeah. I think that's an incarnation thing. I can't escape that. Um, and I've taught like three generations already. At 17 years, it feels like it's been a lot. But they keep coming back and telling me that I really helped them. So You don't want to quit. You don't want to quit. Okay. But there's other forums. I mean, I, I helping people to articulate their story is a really cool thing to do mm. it's a really because it helps them make sense of their lives and um if you've made some kind of sense and created a narrative it seems to ease the pain of like being human you know um and i think that's important but in terms of my own life i think i'd like to be less hermity i'm kind of a hermit um because i live you know, a life of the mind often. But I also, I mean, I don't know. I do yoga every day for an hour. 
Any more India trips? Um, I'd like to go to India. I'd like to go so many places. I've, I've, I went to Central America three years ago for four months, and we worked our way up from um, Nicaragua to the U.S. border by bus wow. because I wanted to see what that journey was like because so many people make that journey right. and they make it in different ways. And I did that with my significant other who's since passed away, um, and that was a really profound experience, that trip seeing the hardship people go through to make that journey. Uh, I'd like to go back to India. Um, I, I would like, I've been photographing stuff for the last few years, and I've had a few shows of photographs. So I'm finally kind of over the sense of insecurity of myself as an artist. Uh, crippling insecurity. One always has insecurity about themselves as an artist. But I don't allow my insecurity to stop me from doing it now, which during the flowering of punk rock, I really did. I was too convinced that I had nothing to bring to the table. I know now that that's not the case. I do have something to bring to the table. Um, I'd well, like. Thank you for bringing yourself to the show. Right on, front thank row, you. front Thanks row seat at the table, Nicole. Nicole Thanks Perry. for asking. Uh, it's been the December 10th, 2011 Watt from Pedro show. Brother Matt, thank you for your always essential right on. in my bed. Kipper Jeff, thanks for tying up. Thanks for letting me drop anchor. Ernie, <laughs> catching it till end, Ernie. Making sure Fair that down. chair don't blow away. <laughs> Good Just job, brother. Here on Gilligan's Isle. Okay. Thanks for being here. Everybody keep your powder dry.